In this episode, we're going to do a follow-up based on a question from a viewer from our last episode. We're going to talk about scammers. I think that Bob Marley song goes, we're scamming, we're scamming, we're scamming, we're scamming. I hope you like scamming too. Chad writes, on today's episode, you brought up a couple of tips on scams and setups that happen in crowded events like Mardi Gras and other countries, from small things like pickpockets and pillars to bigger things like kidnappings. I think that would be a great episode to just go over some of the more common scams. We're scamming, we're scamming, we're scamming, we're scamming. Well, Chad, ask and you shall receive. Scams while traveling abroad. And don't just think traveling abroad. They exist in your country too. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Welcome to Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. I am your host, Shammer. We talk about the Gray Man concept and all kinds of things about espionage and intelligence. And I know some of you out there are thinking, what's this got to do with the Gray Man concept? Well, two things to look at. Probably the most important one is to realize that part of getting information out of people is running a scam or getting something from them. And some of these tips and tricks are used in different ways by legitimate and illegitimate means of law enforcement, even espionage agents, not all of them, but some of them to kind of a varying degree. Also, as I go over these, I want you to remind you that the way that I describe them, they can always be worse and lead to some of the very bad things like kidnapping or murder. They all have very bad potentials depending on the people doing them. Something else to note is that some forms of espionage, such as interrogation, where the majority of the people that are taken in are already bad guys. They've already done something, and that's why they've been caught. And we lie to them. We scam them. When you meet guys on the street that want to walk up to you and give you information, it's a lot easier, and especially when you're trying to turn assets. Maybe there's a little bit of scamming and misleading in there and manipulation. Well, there's actually a lot. But like in a detention facility, it's a big part of what we do. Of course, we're going to help you get out of here. We want to get you home to your family, but we full well know that most of the time when we say that, they're already getting locked up. But we do that to get information. The thing is, we're trying to get something from them. Now, most of the time when you're traveling or wherever you're at and somebody wants to pull a scam, they want something from you, but it's usually not information. It's something they can take and use, like credit card numbers, which I guess you could call information. Or they want your money, or they want a commission. Things they're going to do to help you out. A lot of times you have to be worried, especially people that are overly helpful, good Samaritans. Now, I'm not saying everything's bad, but you need to be aware of how these things work. And maybe some of them you've seen and some of you have your own ideas. So especially if you're on Spotify, but anywhere else, shoot me an email or leave a note there about scams you've seen and things you want to know more about. For our longtime listeners, you've heard me say before, people act in their own best interest. Everything we do has to do with something about what it's going to do to benefit us. Even that good person who likes to give to charity because that's what they believe they should do and it's the right thing. At least makes them feel good or like they're doing the right thing. To some degree, we do things based on our own self-interest and how they at least make us feel, if not what we can get out of it. For example, rich people donate money all the time and I think that's a great thing. But what do you get out of it? You get a tax break. So just remember that even if it's not really nefarious, we do things out of our own self-interest and what we can get out of it. Now to chat out there, one thing I want to mention for you is despite what I said in the past about leaving a voice message, he sent me a much longer email, but I'm dedicating this show to what he said. And I realize some people probably don't want to leave a voice message. So I mentioned in the past, the next 10 people leave me a voice message. You're going to get a free subscription to PI Magazine for a year that I'll get set up for you. Since people aren't doing that, but Chad, since you sent this question in, you just email me back with that email 
and tell me you want it. And I will get your information over to Jim and we'll get you a free subscription to PI Magazine just for this question because it's what I'm doing the whole show on. Scams. Now, there's all kinds of scams and things you want to be aware of. One of the more common ones starts at the airport. First thing, especially when traveling abroad in any other country, and even our own, I never recommend using the Wi-Fi in an airport. In fact, if you haven't noticed this, one of the things I notice on my phone is I have my Wi-Fi and data turned on, we'll say. And then I go somewhere like a store or wherever, and they have Wi-Fi. Sometimes it's very difficult to get on the internet and it's slower. So if I shut off my Wi-Fi, even though I'm not connected to it and it's just working off data, it works better. So one of the things I recommend is if you have a smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever, and you're traveling and you're in hubs like an airport or anything like it, turn off your Wi-Fi, don't access their Wi-Fi and use your data plan. Part of the reason for that is this is, it's kind of a scam, but it's a bigger thing. We do it too, especially the FBI and other agencies, Homeland Security, but other countries do it too. And a lot of them are just bad guys and hackers and whatever, use fake Wi-Fi hubs or law enforcement will connect their hubs in connection with the real one in order to track people's information and get information on them. Typically, they're looking for bad guys or their hackers looking for anybody, but I never recommend using Wi-Fi in a public place. After that, we have things like broken taxi meters, which are pretty common. Basically, they tell you their taxi meter's broken and they try to quote you a price or tell you what it's going to cost you. If you're unfamiliar with the taxi service in your own country or anywhere else, there's two things to let out. Number one is if there's rental car services you can afford or there's things like Uber that are available that have fixed prices through their app, that's the way to go. The other thing, especially when traveling abroad, is since you're probably going to use that taxi when you first get there, one of the things you can do is contact that embassy or consulate and ask them a lot of questions. You can ask them a lot of questions about this stuff when you get there, but find out what are normal taxi prices like. I'm going to be coming there and getting off at this airport, and then I'm coming to this hotel. What's the standard fee for that? The other option you can do is contact your hotel directly, and I always recommend staying at well-known, good, reputable hotels, not some little hole in the wall. There's benefits to things like bed and breakfast and stuff like that, which we'll talk about later, but generally when traveling to most places would be considered a tourist destination, you want to stay in a legitimate, well-known, reviewed hotel. That hotel can tell you a lot of things, so if they call and tell you, hey, and, you know, in American dollars, we'll say it's a standard 15 bucks to go from there to here because it's 12 miles. Then when you get there, hey, my taxi meter's broken. This is a $40 charge. And like, no, I'll give you the 15 that it normally costs and you can negotiate with them. And it's not to split the difference. It's to get it down to that actual price. And then you can move on to somebody else. But broken taxi meters are a very common scam. Now, I've mentioned before in previous episodes about using VPNs while you're traveling abroad, and I always make sure to tell people, again, make sure you have that. Reason why is even if you download a common app in your country and you go to another country and use it, or let's say there's an app that's specific to businesses there that are in common usage, they may require you to connect to Wi-Fi. That's not uncommon. It's part of the reason why you need a VPN to help protect yourself, your phone, your information, and your identity. So don't forget that VPN. Something else to consider is overbooked hotels. Overbooked hotels typically is going to come in the form of this person who's transporting you or taking you to a place, whether it's a taxi or another form of transportation, because they're probably local. They're going to ask you where you're staying or where you want to go, and they're going to tell you that it's overbooked and you can't get a room there. So one of the things is you always book in advance. You don't book when you get there. And then when you get there on the ground to this reputable hotel, you call them and call them from a service phone in the airport if it's there to make sure everything's straight for you to check into your hotel. Because it's very common for people to go to that form of transportation and have them tell you, hey, 
your hotel's overbooked. I can take you to this other place. One of two places they'll take you to. Most commonly, they'll take you to something that probably costs a little more or is something a little different they have a connection to, and they will get a commission and a fat fee out of it, and sometimes they'll get it right there on the spot, and you'll see it happen. Other times, they can take you to less reputable places or smaller, cheaper places to save you money, but it's because they know the person that owns it or it's a family member or something like that. Worst case scenario, they take you to a bad part of town or a bad place where immediately or sometime later, something's going to happen, whether it's an assault, a kidnapping, or they break in and steal your stuff. So you always want to check with those hotels and places you're going when you get there on the ground to make sure you know exactly how much it should cost to get there. And in fact, your hotel room is good and you're straightforward and good to go. Best case scenario, especially more modern countries, just like a lot of airports here in America, there's places where they have transportation specifically to locations that are sponsored by that location. So for those who are not in America, when you come to America to travel and you stay in a very common, well-known hotel, most airports that are in cities will have multiple transportation buses that are labeled and sponsored by that hotel. So it's not the airport or local transportation. They are employed by that hotel. They come there every, you know, 15, 20 minutes. They'll load your bags up and they take you straight to the correct hotel. So you want to find out if that feature is available. And you find that out directly from the hotel or your destination. Another thing to be aware of is nothing's ever free. So when somebody wants to offer you free things, especially a free object, because you're a great person. It's one thing if you're in Hawaii and they want to give you a lei made of flowers. Those are actually very common. But in most places, when they want to give you free things, especially common jewelry or whatever, and they want you to put it on, you do not want to do it. You should be paying for everything. The reason why is common scam. As soon as you put it on, they cause a scene and act like you stole it from them or act like you were going to pay it and you didn't want to pay it to put you in an embarrassing and compromising position, draw attention to them to where you feel bad, you feel embarrassed, you want this to end, so you just give them the money. Don't do that. If you mistakenly put it on or take it and they want to start doing that, you just hand it back to them and walk away. But the best thing to do is avoid them. And it's very common with street plattlers, people outside or whatever. Another common one too that can be a scam, but not always depends on your luggage. So in certain countries, when you go outside, especially an airport or train station, there's a lot of people there that want to help you with your bags. You want to find out what the local custom is there and what the laws are. There are countries where if you set your bag down and somebody grabs it to load it in the taxi cab, it is not only legal and they are helping you, you have to pay them. So you want to make sure you know so you don't leave your baggage unattended. Not to mention people can take it. But if people come up and offer to help you, don't take the help. Because one, you may be required to pay them and you may not know what the amount of money is. So they'll make a big scene with all their little buddies about how much you have to pay them that could be 10 and 100 times over that. The other thing too is they could run off with part of it. So you want to stay in positive control of your baggage at all times, and you want to make sure you understand, is it okay in this country where people do this, and do I have to pay them, and how much is it? Not saying you can't employ their services, but you want to know beforehand to make sure, is it legal, is it illegal, is it a scam? When they do this, how much am I going to have to charge? If I choose not to pay them, is it a law here and I can get in trouble for it? It's actually very, very common and gets people in trouble, so you want to be aware of that. More than likely, if there's people outside fronts of airports in a major city, in travel destinations, it's probably very legal because they'll have security and cops there. But you want to find that out beforehand. It's not uncommon to have fake officials in many countries, especially security and law enforcement. So in uniform or not, and most likely fake ones will not be in uniform, but in uniform or not, you should be seeing credentials. They should have some sort of ID card, not just a badge, and especially if they're in civilian clothes. It's very common for you to be approached in different situations at different times, like even this last one. Let's say you don't know, and it's actually a scam, and you don't want to pay them, and you tell them to leave your bags alone. 
and it's not required for you to pay them. But you don't know that. You just think they're doing something wrong. Then they run and get their security guard or cop, and they come up to you, and they're in civilian clothes, and they identify as a police officer, and they're going to arrest you, whatever. You should be seeing credentials. If they don't have credentials, it's probably horseshit. And, of course, you don't want to run that risk, obviously, right, and be wrong and then get arrested. That's part of the reason why you never let them touch your bags in the first place or in any situation like this. So you want to be aware of these scams so that if you know you're doing the right thing and you haven't done anything wrong and that person runs off and grabs a specific guy to come back that claims to be a copper security guard that probably isn't uniformed, they should be showing your credentials. Otherwise, it's going to be a much bigger scam, especially if this one escalates to where they want to put you in a car that's not a police vehicle and take you away. That could be a kidnapping or something else in progress. Now, that extreme tends to happen in very specific countries. But these are things you want to be aware of because they get out of hand really fast. Now, it's not uncommon to rent things like cars, especially when you travel. But in a lot of countries, you can rent bicycles, you can rent motorcycles, scooters, you can rent cars. And they may be reputable, but if you compare them to, say, your own country, if you're in, a say, like America, may not seem as reputable or as nice. No matter who they are, whether it's an Avis car rental or some little street side guy and everybody's loading on that bike, one of the great things about having smartphones or any camera that you can call up photos on now is you should be taking photos and or videos all around that object, just like the rental agency does. The reason being is... When you bring them back, they can claim damage and then try to come after you for it. And even then, they might actually call real police and say you're trying to scam them out of damage. So you want those photos and videos first to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because in a lot of countries where you can rent this stuff, it's very clear these are well-used items that got nicks and bangs and scratches and stuff at them. So whether they're perfectly brand new or they're a little beat up and everybody's using them, be the guy that takes the time to take the photos and videos with that guy standing there. And if, especially if you're videoing where there's audio, talk through it, mention the guy's name, just tell him I'm videoing this. Make sure you swing that video up and show them on it. Or if you're taking a photo, try to get them in the photo, even if they don't know it, to make it aware that if something happens later that you did the documentation on this and when they claim this damage you caused, you can show it's already there because it's a very common scam for them to get more money. A more common down these days are influencers those are all the people on social media they're making money i mean they say we're all influencers but i don't think most of us are one of the things that happens with sponsorships and ads is when you're a big influencer whether you're famous or you just got a really big channel people start approaching you so just like when i do this podcast or you go on youtube it starts with some common ads but eventually people will pay you to mention their items flat rate fees or however many times it posts that's how it works as far as the influencers go, we don't charge each other. Nobody does that. We do it to help each other out. We do it because we like the product. We like their channel. We like the stuff they do. So a common scam overseas is for somebody to introduce themselves as somebody famous or famous in that country, and they may even look like them. And to help you out with your channel or what you're doing, they'll be an influencer for you, and they will post, cross-post, or share something you want to share. All you got to do is pay them. That is 100% horseshit and a scam. Don't fall for it. And even here in America, if you got friends like that that think they're big enough, they're getting ads and they want you to pay them because they want to help you out. They're trying to find ways to make money. It's probably not a scam. They're probably going to do it. But it tells you they're not big enough to know how this works. So typically, unless you're paying a company, like say you're on Facebook and you choose to create an ad to pay the company, the only other way your stuff happens is when people choose to share it or you get a company paying you directly for branding. So like, it won't be Coca-Cola, but Coca-Cola says, hey, tell about this new soda we got, you know, or a perfume company or whatever. But regular everyday people claiming they're famous saying, hey, 
you pay me and I'll share this, don't do it because that is that is a scam. When you're using travel agencies, make sure you're using credible travel agencies. There's a lot of fake ones out there. Another thing to be aware of is things can happen. Just like my friend in Uganda, you could be in a situation where your only option is to use some sort of travel agent to get out of there, but you don't know if they're legitimate or not. When traveling abroad, I always recommend people talk to their embassy or consulate or at least their hotel to find out reputable travel agencies in the area, but better through your embassy and consulate. And make sure you know where they are and the ones that are good, and especially they can tell you any ones that are bad. So that in the event that you need to use them, you don't accidentally wander into the wrong one and get scammed, where they take your money and nothing happens, or they dramatically overcharge you. And if you haven't noticed, there's a running theme here. Most of this is about getting extra money from you, but don't equate that to poor countries or countries you think are poor or poor people doing it. While that does happen, the reason people do this, whether they're poor or not, or it's a poor country or a rich country, it happens everywhere. They do this because it's an easy way to make money. And especially with people from what they call rich countries, like rich Americans or gullible people, that's why they do it. It doesn't matter if they need money or not. It's just like I'm sure all of us have heard, at least on the streets of America, there are some people that stand out on street corners or at intersections and want money. And then it turns out later they go hop in a BMW and they're a millionaire. They make their money begging. Not all of them do that, but some people do. They do it because it's easy. So don't get caught up in the idea that, oh, I'm traveling to the United States. This is going to happen. Oh, I'm traveling to this, you know, I'm traveling to Germany. I'm traveling to Australia, you know, rich countries. It's not going to happen. It'll happen there just as much as it'll happen in some third world country. Never, ever handle or hand your valuables to somebody you do not know. Most common one people do is photos hey, take my camera, or worse, take my cell phone and take my photo for me. Plenty of people do that, but let's say you're on a tour or you meet somebody on the plane and you happen to realize they're with you, you're staying in the hotel and you become friends and you guys decide to go out to the day, that's fine. You want to double check them? Make sure you're in a situation where they hand you a camera first. That might be okay if you feel comfortable with it. But the random person on the street that wants to take your photo but wants to use your item, very common thing, they just run away with it. Especially when they say, okay, do this pose, look up a little bit. Oh, you want to take a picture in front of this landmark? Go ahead and look up and point at it. And when you're not looking at them, they take off. And the odds of getting that back are slim. It's worse with your cell phone because of all the things that are in your cell phone beyond just pictures. But a lot of people travel with expensive cameras and they think they take better pictures or they're really good photographers. If they're really good photographers, they're probably not handling that camera to anybody. They want to take their own photos. But people target that. It's just like... When you see those bigger, nicer SLR cameras like Nikon and Canon and Sony, especially if they have big lenses on them, people target that. It's kind of like one of the flaws in Canon cameras is their zoom lenses. A lot of the higher-end ones are gray and not black, and people see that equated to the higher-end lenses, even though not all of those are higher-end, and they'll take it because they're worth a lot of money, especially on the black market or locally, and that can happen in America too. So don't hand anything of value to a stranger to do something for you, no matter how nice they are and if they offer it. It's different if it's a tour and you meet somebody or you're in that reputable hotel and you used a reputable company and you're taking a tour with a bunch of people and the tour guide is cycling through everybody, taking a photo, handing the camera back. That's probably okay. It's stranger danger is what you got to think about all the time. Now, just like the hotels being overbooked, let's say you're going to a tourist attraction, museum, for example, or any other place that has working hours of business. You wanna make sure that you contact them before you go, especially a day before, make sure you verify their hours when they're open and that there's no issues. It's very common to get into that taxi cab again, 
I'm going to this museum and they tell you, oh, it's closed. I'll take you to a place better. When they're offering to do that, that's why you want to check first because it's probably a scam and they're going to take you a place that may be better, but it's going to cost more. Again, they're going to get that commission. That's why you want to know everything about your destination before you get into communication with anybody that might be taking you there. Even if it's somebody that wants to escort you through town and walk you around and you just give them a dollar and they'll walk you there the safest possible route. One, it might be a lie and they might be taking you somewhere else. Two, their safest possible route might be a trap. One of the more common scans, especially in a lot of, well, this happens in European countries, but it happens in a lot of third world countries too, but even modern countries, are scams where people are going to take your money. One common example is you're using an ATM and you don't understand it or it doesn't seem to be working and they offer to do it for you and they want to take your card after standing there watching you. Then they're just going to run off with your card and have your PIN number. So there's that. Another option is they want to take you to a place to get money to avoid bank fees. Don't do that. That's also going to be a scam. Or just like you might need money for that country in cash, which you should have some at all times, you first want to use a bank in your home country to get that money. Second option is to use a bank, a reputable bank in that country to do a money exchange. Your third option is to do it at the airport. The airport's third because their fees are going to be higher. After that, though, any other place is probably going to do a worse exchange rate or they're going to take your money. So the whole idea of avoiding bank fees or charges for them are pretty much garbage. It's just a question of how much they charge. That's why you want to find that information out beforehand. And when you're in the country, just add this to the list on your questions because if you're going to be there, especially for more than like a day or two, you should be visiting that embassy or consulate with a long list of questions about places to go and safe places. So not just whether or not this area is safe or dangerous, but questions that, about scams I've been telling you. If I need to exchange money, where should I do it? Another common thing with ATMs, and you should never be using outdoor ATMs if indoor ones are available in like a bank you definitely shouldn't be using them at night, is to find out the ATM machine is magically broken and it's not giving you your money. If that happens, you want to be checking that slot because they'll put plastic objects, sticks, sticky paper. It can happen where they put that in there and it kind of traps the money. And then after you leave, they go back and use a screwdriver or whatever and wedge that money out. And in some countries where they have ATMs, there's not a big security issue about cameras and whether or not people are being scammed. So you want to be careful of that one as well. One thing to be very careful of is people that need your assistance. Follow your gut all the time and how things feel. If it feels wrong, don't do it, even if it turns out later that person was legitimate. Especially people that seem to be infirmed or have canes or crutches or a cast and need your assistance doing something. It's not uncommon for those to turn into a situation where their buddies around the corner or they do something to you. And those are often tend to be more nefarious leading towards things like abduction. I mean, in this country, we had a famous murderer, Tim Buddy, and that's how he did it. He would have a cast on his arm, be carrying objects, find women, and try to get them to help him load things in his car or find his dog, and then he'd end up kidnapping them and killing them. While that is an extreme situation, it's something to be aware of. And as a reminder, if you didn't listen to our last episode where I talked about my friend in Uganda when the Islamic State attacked, who was trying to get out of there and things you should do with emergency traveling abroad, near the end of that podcast, I do cover some other scams that I'm not talking about in this one. Fake telephone calls are a big one, especially during non-business hours or at nighttime. Very common one is you're in a hotel and you get a phone call. They're having trouble running your credit card to charge your room and they want to give you your new information over the phone. Don't do that. If you really think it's legit, walk down to the front desk and find out if they called you. Number one, don't tell them exactly what the phone call was for. 
That should be happening during normal business hours. You should also know when you check in and you're using a credit card, you should know exactly how long they're charging you for, exactly how much of the hold fee they're putting on there. So let's say your room is, to make the math easy, $100 a night is your total fee. You're staying there for five nights, it's 500 bucks, and they say, we're going to put 20% hold on your card for $200. When you check out, we'll charge you the rest. And then they run it and they said, yes, your hold goes through. And you also happen to know you have plenty of credit available on there. You want to know all that information so when you get that random phone call, you can know. And when you get that phone call, don't call the front desk back. Physically go down there and tell them what happened. Because you want to find out, did you guys call my room? And if they say no, say, I received a phone call and they said my credit card was bad and everything about this says my credit card charges are good and I've already checked with my bank before coming down here, which you should do. And then you inform them of what happened so that they're aware people are randomly calling rooms. Because in a lot of hotels... Most of them, they're going to know somebody called and requested your room, and then they said that information, and that's going to tell them a lot. You can also tell them to hold all your calls and to take messages. You don't have to take calls in your room, and you need to let them know the odds are that you're probably not going to be called if you're not. This is part of the reason why everyone have that cell phone, whether it's our own cell phone with a VPN or a local one, because those are the phones you want your friends calling you from that are either in town or... They're in another country. You don't want them calling in through your hotel. You want that to be a last-minute emergency to call through the hotel if they can't reach you. But it's always good to do that. Have them take messages. Find out if they called you. Check with your bank before you go down there. Don't call them. Physically go down there and make sure everything's straight and report exactly what happened. This has explained to you that there are a lot of traps and scams out there, and they all have more severe versions of them. This is why we want to check with our State Department or equivalent site before we go somewhere, find out the dangers, find out the weather. We want to check with local embassies and consulates, especially the longer we're going to be there. We want to have questions about all the information so we can be safe. Where should I go? Where should I not go? Where should I exchange money? How should I get cash? What transportation should I use and not use? What are standard fees for this? All these kind of things you want to know because they tend to have some of that information and can tell you where to get it. You can also ask concierge at your front desk of your hotel, especially if you're staying in a nicer hotel for the area or high-end hotel. They want your service and they want you to spend money there. They tell you things like where you can go get food and good food and good entertainment. Sometimes they can get you tickets. Very common in America and it's very common in other places. And you want to make sure it's as legitimate as possible. They can help you with that as well and make sure that you're not getting scammed. Some of them even have their own drivers that will take you places and they work out great. I've been to Las Vegas many times and seen many scams there, especially from taxi drivers, and I've had them try to scam me. And the second I start calling their companies and make a report, they start throwing cash back at me because they know they're about to get caught. reason why this happens is some of these scams are commonplace, almost acceptable minor crimes in countries because it's just part of how that country operates because there's so much bigger stuff going on. One of the things we see here in America, and it's not all of them, but there are some just using taxis, but it's not only taxis, but just using taxis example. We have a lot of taxi drivers that are immigrants from other countries. I'm not saying they're bad people, but some of the ones that run scams, and they're not all immigrants, many of them are American board, regular folks. They do it because it works or it's something they're used to and they can get away with it. So just like I did with a taxi, if you think there's a scam there, you want to start calling those numbers on the cab and, and finding out if this is legitimate or not. Those are things you can find out. I've seen this happen in major tourist areas like Las Vegas. I've seen it happen when I lived in Hawaii where these scams will happen. 
It doesn't matter what ethnicity the individual is, how they're dressed, what their age, whether they're got a physical disability. Scams are scams and people do them because they're easy and they work. And they have many failures every day and they have many successes every day. You want to be one of their failures and you want to look out for these things. You want to be skeptical of everything and you want to know as much information beforehand as possible. This is exactly the same as I've talked about before when you're talking to people and you're getting information, just like we would research targets and intel. When you're trying to get information out of somebody, the more you know about that person, the more you know about that information already is the more you can talk to them and double check that information and just not go along with what they say because they say it. The idea of believing things somebody says because of who that person is is a mistake. You always want to check but verify. One of the things we used to teach people here, even when they're working with guys in JSOC that are legitimate, we'd always tell them trust but verify. Or as the director would say, trust me but don't trust me. He's saying trust what I'm saying but verify it yourself. Verify beforehand, especially when it comes to your entertainment, your fun, your money. These all come in varying forms of danger. A lot of them, it is legitimate and people just want to help you, but they still might scam you anyway. A lot of it is not legitimate and they just want more money, just like kids who run up in the street and want money. So like when I would go places and the kids that would run up to everybody they thought was an American or thought they had money or just anybody in general wants something, sometimes I would carry small pieces of candy to give to them instead of giving them my money. But the second you give them anything, you're going to be targeted again. They might follow you around town. You never know. So just be aware of it. This stuff's real. It's out there. You can make the argument either way, but generally a lot of these people are doing things because they work or it's acceptable there. They may not be bad people. It just might be how they get their income. There's a lot of things to look at. But the more you know, the safer you can be, the better time you can have. If you're going to spend money while traveling abroad, you don't want to spend it getting scammed. You want to spend it having fun eating good food, and doing all those good things. Another thing, too, I just want to add on is, in this country, custing or tipping is a custom. It's not a law. A lot of countries, tipping doesn't even happen. And you want to know if tipping is a custom in that country because there are places that will want to tip from you that are just trying to get extra cash because they know they tip in your country, but tipping is not custom there. It doesn't happen. Some of those countries, it's even an insult or even illegal. So you want to know about that beforehand. And I'll just add in, in case you're in America, at least America, where tipping happens, there's some things you should know that have changed in the last 10 years about tipping. Most of the receipts you get at any restaurant are horseshit when it comes to their tipping. First of all, the standard custom is 15%, and usually the minimums you see 18%. So know that right off the bat. Nothing says you have to tip. And yes, I've worked in the service industry for those that do. But I want to say this. Double check that bill because one of the things I've seen, and this is anywhere now, is they take your total bill, which includes all of your tax, and from that number, they come up with your percentage. That's garbage. The tax you're paying to a government, a federal or state government or the city government, whatever those taxes are, you don't tip on the tax. You tip on the base price. Another thing, too, that you can do, depending on how much alcohol you're having, especially if you're having mixed drinks but you're not at the bar, what I do if I get a beer, no big deal. But if I get a couple of mixed drinks, but I have a server bring them to me, I tip them on the food. And then on the alcohol, the person who actually did the works of bartender, I will go and just tip them directly. And that's typically what I do. And then I never tip on the tax. I have yet to see in years a receipt in America from a restaurant or any place that takes tips that didn't also factor that percentage based on the tax amount. 
and it's really bad with delivery services. So check that out. Not saying that's a scam. I, I, I would argue it's a scam, but it's wrong. And that's something to be aware of. Now, using an analogy, I want to point something else too, and it's how to not make yourself somebody that they want to take you from. They want to take your money. When people go hunting, whether you like hunting or not, let's say we're hunting an animal like a deer, and it's got antlers. You know, it's completely legal. You eat the meat. You do all that thing. But this guy sees two deer. He can shoot one. And he sees one that we call a spike. It's just got two little horns. And then he sees one that's got like six points on each side. And that's a trophy. That's attractive. That's the deer he's going to take. Or let's say a guy goes to a bar. And why is that the bar? He decides he's going to talk to some women. And there's two women he's looking at. And one is, you know, she's attractive. Normal everyday girl. Maybe she's wearing jeans. Dressed kind of normal. Kind of casual. Not a lot of makeup on, but doesn't need it. She's, you know, pretty girl. And then there's another girl there wearing the short, tight dress. Boobs are falling out. Got the perfume. Got the ninja makeup on. Being real flirty and people are noticing her. Most men are going to go after that second one because it appears to be more attractive, but doesn't mean it's a better option. What I'm saying is appearance is everything. So part of what I've talked about, especially early on in this podcast, when you're doing the whole gray man thing, is a lot of the clothing you wear not having tags or marks or symbols that can help identify you for your own privacy. But you need to do that while traveling as well. Because the things you wear and the things you have can signal to people the potential that you have money. And they may know that, and that might make you the target they come after. So when I travel, let's say I fly home to Seattle and I have to fly through Denver and I'm in America and I do this all the time and I wear the scams, I still dress like I'm traveling abroad. So for example, being down in Arizona where it's hot, I have a lot of wickaway type shirts. A lot of them are Under Armour brand because I get them, you know, at uh, places like Ross where they're cheaper out of season and they got the big Under Armour albums on them. And that indicates that they cost a lot of money, even though in my situation it cost me probably 25% of the real price. I won't wear those when I travel like that because I don't want people seeing brand names and things that are going to draw attention to me or the luggage I have. I have good, strong, sturdy luggage, but the companies that make them don't have a lot of symbols and brands on them for people to know. I don't wear super expensive shoes or like the boots I have when I travel that are really well-made boots. The ones I wear, are the ones I've been wearing for years that look really beat up. I don't do it to try to look dirty, disheveled or any of that, but I do it so I'm not drawing attention to myself to make myself more attractive for a scammer. So when you're traveling, think about that. You can dress however you want and dress however you want when you're out there doing your tourist activities because I guarantee you, more than likely if you're being a tourist and on vacation, they know that. The biggest factor that's going to come in with your parents is going to be during your travels all the way to your destination to your airport and in reverse going home. What you do while you're there, you'll probably change a little bit. But there's things you can know about that. And the other thing too to be aware of, is thinking about knockoff items. Knockoff items are commonly sold in other countries. A lot of people make no bones about it. They're a lot cheaper, and a lot of people buy those. When I went to Cutter, when I was in the Army, there was guys selling knockoff Rolex and all kinds of expensive watches, and they would flat tell us that. And some people would buy them, and they looked really cool, but they were knockoffs. And we had a soldier there that did some looking and found out on eBay a lot of people were selling them, advertising with knockoff and making, you know, two, 300 bucks, for a watch that if it was real would cost 5000 And so this dude spent a ton of money buying all these knockoff watches. And then when he got home, he started selling them on eBay, fully telling them I bought them in Cutter. They're knockoffs. Here's how you can tell they're a knockoff. And he paid, I don't remember what he paid, 20, 30, 40 bucks a watch. And he's selling for two, 300 bucks for a watch that looks like a $5,000 watch. So it's not uncommon. Just make sure you know what you're doing. 
Here's a common scam people don't know of. Some dude, probably in a really nice expensive car that he might have rented, might be his real car. But usually it's some situation where he's dressed nice, he's in a car or whatever, and advertises that he works for a company like Gucci. Some expensive, well-named brand of expensive products that you know. And because you helped him or because of whatever, he's going to go ahead and sell you a bag at a discounted price. Now, it's number one, that's going to be a knockoff, so we'll start with that. But number two, his scam is higher price knockoffs. There might be guys down the street with a table selling the same knockoff, and let's say that handbag is $20 American. But this guy, because he's claiming who he is, is going to sell it to you for 40 bucks at a huge discount. See, his scam isn't just that he's selling knockoffs. He's selling them at a higher price than the other guy by misrepresenting himself. And things like that are very common. So this goes back to things I've talked about before for detecting deception. People that are offering you unrequested and unnecessary credentials about who they are, be careful of that when traveling abroad. It's one thing if you meet some people, especially from your country or similar country, and you're sitting down to dinner and, you know, it's not a scam. You're on a tour and you're talking about your families and the jobs you have, all of which are bad ideas, but people do it all the time. That, that's one thing. But these random dudes just show up and they start giving you unrequested credentials. I would be skeptical of that, especially when it's followed with a sales pitch. There's something wrong there, and that's something to be aware of. Now, I do have some previous episodes and older episodes in season ones where I talk about traveling abroad, safety and security. I talk about hotel security, things you should do while traveling that are in there. And one I will mention again, I've mentioned before, I always tell people about, I don't care if you're staying in a Motel 6. I don't care where you're staying, what country you're in, even if it's your own. When you go to a hotel room and you're going to be leaving that room, you know, you're walking down the hall getting soda and ice, that's one thing. But you're leaving to go to dinner. You're leaving to go out for a few hours. I always take pictures of where all my stuff is in the room, especially my bags. And my bags are always zipped and closed. Now, whether you have locks on them or not, which I'm going to tell you right now, you put TSA logs on the zippers on your bag, there is no security there, which I will explain. I always take pictures of where my bags are, and then I check those pictures when I return. Now, it's not uncommon for some of your stuff to move. They may move it for cleaning. They may do it for a lot of reasons. You know, if you leave your bag sitting on the bag that you just slept in, that bag's going to get moved. Things get moved for cleaning purposes. And maybe your bag just moves to the other side of the couch. You don't understand why. But those are the items I check. And I still check all the items if they didn't move. Because here's one of the things I do with bags. Let's say I've got a suitcase sitting there, sitting on the couch. And I take a picture of that suitcase sitting on the couch. So I make sure it's sitting on the couch the exact same way. I also open it and take a picture of how the contents look on the inside. So I compare if anybody got in there. One of the most common things you can do, and you can practice this with your own stuff, is if you've got a bag, even with a TSA lock with a zipper on it, you can take a standard ballpoint pen and go anywhere on that zipper and kind of shove it through there and separate that zipper and open up the whole bag. You can then go through the bag, do whatever you want, then close the bag and just take that zipper that's locked together and slide it back and forth until it recloses the zipper. And if they're smart, they'll try to put that zipper in the same place. So even if your bag doesn't look like it's been moved, where is the zipper placement on there? And that's what I would do. Now, don't move it all the way to the end on either side because that's very easy to notice and remember. Put it somewhere in the middle. Lay it a certain way so you know where it is. But be aware of where all your stuff is in the room. So, like, if you put out a lot of perfume toiletry items on the sink and counter, those are going to probably get moved because they're going to clean that area up. So, one of the things I do, like, when I travel with my vehicle, when I didn't have this trailer, which for all of you out there knows about my grand adventure, I did get my cool trailer I'll talk about in the future. I actually have a milk crate kind of deal that I keep all these extra things in just to carry them into a hotel, which has treats and stuff for my dog and some extra things that I don't keep in my hygiene bag. 
when I'm leaving my hotel, I throw everything back into that crate and put it somewhere it's not going to get messed with. And then I take a photo of it to see what it all looks like, which makes it really easy to see if somebody got in there because there's so many random things. It's easy to tell when something's moved when you got a photo. But it's so I know they're not going to mess with it anyway. Plus, I just don't like people touching my stuff. I don't care if they're housekeepers. Their hands are dirty, too. Scams are legit and they happen. I'm going to scroll through and look for a few of those previous episodes and I'll link them in the show notes if you want to go back and listen about other scams or security measures you should have while traveling abroad and things you should do, whether you're in your hotel or traveling and how to prepare for it to make sure that you have all the knowledge and everything you need to make sure you're safe and make sure your money goes a long way. And remember, always take advantage if that hotel has a concierge, especially if you higher end hotels, that concierge is sort of like a manager, and they're going to have all kinds of information to help you get set up and help you find places with discounts and do everything they can. And if you're somebody with money or a little bit of extra money and you like tipping people, even if it's not tipping is common in that country, and the hotel has a concierge, and you're using that concierge regularly to help you out with things as your personal guide to the city and safety and fun wherever you're at, especially in places like Vegas, big places. One of the things to remember is you don't tip that person every time they help you. What you do is remember, write down everything they helped you with. And then right before you leave, you want to tip them so bad that it hurts. That's what you want to think about. Those are the people you want to give your money to. And the reason why they want to help you is especially in a lot of cities where scams are common, they know you're going to spend money. They know scams are realistic. Well, there's two things. Let's say you're going to put out 200 bucks. You could put out 200 bucks in a tip or you could accidentally put 200 bucks out in scams. They want to help you and make sure you don't give that money to people who get scammed so you don't get taken advantage of. And if you're going to use that money anyway, they'd rather you give it to them for providing you a service, legitimate business, and helping you out. And you don't have to tip them. But I'm just saying, if you're going to spend your money, spend it the way you want to spend it. Don't make somebody trick you into spending it a way you don't. Don't let somebody trick you into giving you that information. Always pay attention to all these things. And definitely these prior episodes because I talk about cash, cards, how you should carry it, how much you should have ways to navigate the city, how to prepare for emergencies in your hotel room, all the kind of things you need to know that are very, very important. And just remember, depending on how much stuff you want to have, realistically, you could travel abroad and even spend a couple of months and everything you need, you could carry in a backpack. You know what the great thing about a backpack is? You can carry it on a plane as long as you don't have anything you shouldn't have and you can put it right on your back and walk out of there and you never have luggage to worry about being unintended. You never have to worry about anybody taking your stuff. You can take it off and put it in your lap while you're traveling in that taxi cab. So make sure you double check, do your research, look scams up online, look up for people that are professional travelers, learn about credit card points, learn about all these things. There's a lot of ways to actually kind of make money while traveling instead of losing money from some trickster. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at, and don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublication.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.